Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Blush. My name is Heva and I'm here with my co-host Tiffany. This week we have a very special guest, my friend Colleen. I started following Colleen on Instagram I want to say four and a half years ago when I first went vegan, she would post amazing vegan nutrition information and she's an athlete and would post all her workouts and I just instantly fell in love with her Instagram stories that she still does. You have to go check them out. She has this amazing soothing voice and has these really nice, open, sincere chats on her Instagram stories. But the reason that we wanted to have her on the podcast is because she's a certified women's hormone specialist, and she's just a wealth of knowledge on hormones and everything that relates to women's cycles, why we feel the way that we feel, how we can feel better throughout our cycle. And also she's an expert in something called the fertility awareness method, which is a form of birth control where you can either prevent pregnancy or I guess get pregnant if that's what you want, just by being familiar with how your cycle works. Whether you are someone who has struggled with hormonal health or not, or if you're dating someone who has female hormonal cycles, or if you're just kind of curious about the topic and how to get more familiar with your body, this episode is just a wealth of knowledge. It really is. And on top of everything Kifa just listed, we also talk about orgasms. So definitely enjoy. And without further ado, here is Colleen. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Um, I mean, there's so much, honestly, we want to talk about. Uh, Like, I don't even know where to start. Let's, before I get overwhelmed, let's start (laughs) with, um, (laughs) because also this could get very derailed by like my personal selfish questions that I think will be relatable. (laughs) So, (laughs) but before we get into that, do you want to talk a little bit about your background and how you came to become so passionate and knowledgeable about all these things? I definitely have a lot that I am passionate about. Like you said, it's it's hard to really encompass it all, but I feel like it started honestly when I first went vegan back in 2013, and that honestly opened my eyes to just my consumer choices and how you know everything I do impacts others in the world in a much greater sense. Um, and from there, I mean, that's honestly when I started my social media, and I had a blog and. Then I had a YouTube channel and then I've shifted now more into Instagram. It's a little bit more manageable. It's kind of like a micro blog um, and YouTube channel at the same time. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so then 
um, I really was just focusing in on spreading the word through nutrition and fitness on like what the possibilities are living plant-based vegan. And then it was in 2016 when I just, I think I was just trying to live as like naturally and holistically as possible. And it just occurred to me, like I was taking the hormonal birth control pill and I was like, why? I mean, I wasn't even sexually active at the time. And I was like, why am I taking this your pharmaceutical drug? I'm going to the pharmacy once a month. Like I'm an otherwise healthy person. And I really hadn't looked into it. Didn't really understand what it was doing to my body, but just took it. Um, and so I was like, I'll just get off of it. Like, what's the harm? And little did I know all the things, all the effects that would happen to my body in the next six months, year. I mean, we're talking massive like hormonal breakouts and like my jaw, um, my jaw, like neck area, just, you know, breakouts I had never seen in my entire life. Um, my hair texture changed. It actually on my body, it got thicker <laughs> and then on my on my uh, head, I got thinner, which was really interesting. Um, and then my, it's really interesting on the hormonal birth control pill, my hair actually got a little bit more relaxed. I have really curly hair for those that are not watching the, the video. So it was like wavier and then I got off and then I got a lot curlier, which is actually how it was when I was like a, a little girl. So that makes sense. That's crazy. So you got off birth control and your body hair got thicker. Yes, exactly. We're Middle Eastern, so like if that happened, <laughs> could you imagine? There's no room for it to get any no. thicker than what's already happening. There's no going back. I get. That. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna so- say the caveat there is like I did not know anything going into getting off of hormonal birth control, and what's really driven my passion to spread this education is that if I had supported my body the way it needed to be, I would have basically not had to go through all of these super uncomfortable, annoying, adverse symptoms. I mean, it was like sleeplessness. It was um, increased body odor. Basically, a lot of it, what I experienced was an androgen rebound or like higher testosterone, which is typical for for a lot of women that get off um, the hormone birth control pill. And that's typically why women experience breakouts because it's, you know, your body is being depleted of so many nutrients. Your gut is often super disrupted. Um, your liver, I mean, you really need to focus on like your elimination pathways. It's, you know, it's definitely something that is lacking education entirely. Obviously, the STEM is actually understanding what hormone birth control like does in a greater sense um, to your body and long term. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at, and it's just to just to finish it off, and feel free to ask all the questions. But um, I was gonna say, just going back to like understanding the body and like body literacy, it's really lent itself to my like passion for like getting really intimate with your body in a sense of like sensuality and. Um, just really all kinds of embodiment practices, which is kind of like what I'm shifting into now. Um, But anyways, what are your questions? (laughs) I've always been super anti-birth control. I've never taken the pill or any other forms of it. And I feel like whenever I talk to other women about it, most of them are very 
pro being on the pill, whether it helps their skin like have less acne or they just find it more convenient or it really helped their uh, flow. But I'm just kind of against taking medication in general, but even specifically like I like, okay, I don't like getting my period, but I like the the release and I just feel like it's a really natural thing that we're supposed to do as women and I just think stopping that in like a really dumb way of putting it just seems really bizarre to me like that's what we're supposed to do you know we're supposed to like pee poop and get our periods because there's a lot of women that are on the pill that are completely fine and I feel like when I say that I sound like crazy I've talked to women too that have had really bad side effects and when they've gotten off they've gained weight or different things that have happened and they just kind of fell out of control with their bodies can you like break it down in a way of like why does it affect some women the way it does and others it doesn't and kind of like what to look out for because it could be impacting your body in ways that you don't even realize I'm like actually in in that camp where I was lucky enough not to be negatively affected to my knowledge when I was on it you know like I didn't have any severe weight gain or headaches or or anything that like significantly impacted my quality of life Now that I'm off of it, and I've been off of it for like seven years now, I understand um, things that were being impacted that I didn't realize. Obviously, the hair is a huge thing. Like, for example, it definitely lowers your libido, and it just creates a much more dry environment in the nether regions. And also, you're more likely to get reoccurring UTIs, which is all things that I was experiencing but didn't correlate them to hormonal birth control back when I was like in college, you know? Yeah. And everyone's body is different. So some people are impacted and there's different types of birth control as well. So each have like varying levels of, um, basically it's like a combination of estrogen and progesterone and some are just progesterone. Um, but one of the biggest issues too, when women get off of it, that they experience so many issues is that you are being pumped with progestin, which is a synthetic form of progesterone and so then when you get off of it your body is way less effective way less efficient at creating its own Um, so the low progesterone symptoms are um, go hand in hand with higher testosterone so um, and it's your calming hormone so it's a lot of like anxiety and I mean it's sleeplessness it's it's also like acne it's um, just a dysregulated metabolism and their blood sugar goes hand in hand as well with making sure that your blood sugar is balanced because if not, again, it's like a a high spike in testosterone, especially right when you get off birth control. I got off birth control in 2018. I was on it because I wasn't getting my period. Um, (laughs) Like why anyone thought that was the fix? I don't know. (laughs) Um, That's so weird. (laughs) It just, I honestly think modern gynecology is basically like what's your problem cool 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 let's decide which brand of hormonal birth control to put you on yeah and if that doesn't work they're like oh let's change the brand and that's where it ends like that's where it ends like there's no like there's no deeper diving than that really (laughs) if yeah it feels like no one really cares about like women's bodies it's just like let's profit off of this but yeah when I got off I got the worst cystic acne I really have been blessed. I've never had acne, even, you know, as an adolescent, even when other people had it, I've never had acne. I got the worst cystic acne. Like there were days where I just cry and be like, I don't want to leave the house. Like this is just, I can't even look at myself. It eventually went away though, right? Or no? Yeah. You have perfect skin now. (sighs) So it took months and then it would just happen 
um, in my luteal phase. So like right before I'd bleed, it would happen now, which is normal ish. Yeah. But I still don't think it should be happening. Like it never used to happen to me. Now it's more rare. It does still sometimes happen, but I still have like scars from all that going down that, you know, still are with me. So I think like as a society, we've convinced ourselves that this is normal. I mean, in college, I didn't really know anyone who wasn't on the pill. I mean, I was on the pill. I wasn't having sex most of the time that I was on the pill. You know, all the years that I've been on the pill, like I've had sex like a year out of all, you know, 10 combined. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just like everyone's just kind of on it. Whenever I tell people I've never taken birth control and I've never been on the pill, it's like I said, like I have a third year. (laughs) Like it's such a thing. Which I don't, I don't know. I just, I've always, like, these stories have always concerned me. Yeah, no, that's just what you were saying earlier. I feel like you really tapped into your, like, intuitive sense there that this is not, not serving you to shut off something that seems so vital to your female body. So major props to you. Honestly, when I got on it, it was like, I just knew that, like, that's the thing to do when you become sexually active. And, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to look back at the the roots, like, the history of it. Because, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the exact time frame now, but it was in the early 1900s when it was created. And it was huge for women, you know? So it's, like, that's, like, the flip side of it. It's, like, you know, it was a huge revolution that, like, women could now, like, maintain these lives outside of the home. And, you know, they weren't bound by, you know, unexplained or un unplanned pregnancies but the thing is the technology has not changed so it's like all of these things you know all these symptoms and realizations we've had about the pill nothing's been done about it it's just we you know we take the brunt of it and it's just expected if you can empower you know your your sisters your friends your whoever other vulva owners then like that's a major win because I feel like everyone needs this information I feel like menstrual health education needed to happen I don't know, fourth grade, fifth grade, (laughs) and it just doesn't. (laughs) A hundred percent. Well, can we shift to the fertility awareness method? So what you use now and how someone can not get pregnant if they don't want to, but still have sex. Actually, I mean, there's a few different non-hormonal birth control options. I would say one of the most effective is the fertility awareness method. So this method requires you to take your basal body temperature every morning. So super simple. You just wake up first thing, put a thermometer typically under your tongue, so sublingually, or there's actually monitoring devices if you don't have like a very sound sleep, you work night shifts, whatever, um, and you can just wear something on your arm that's taking your temperature continuously. You take that temperature and then if you have an app or maybe you do it manually, but you just like jot that down. Um, and then over time, you can kind of see the fluctuations, and that's a huge indicator of um, being able to signify like when your fertile window is. And then once that's passed, you know that you can no longer get pregnant. So whether you are trying to conceive or trying to avoid pregnancy, it's really important to know that. Um, and then also you can kind of tell like there's little shifts when you're like maybe about to get your period. You can also tell like your luteal phase, you know how long that is, and that can also be an indicator of what your progesterone levels are at because progesterone actually starts in production right after ovulation. So you want a pretty high amount of testosterone throughout that entire luteal phase. And if it's shorter than you're like looking in like the week range, it should be about two weeks. Then that's, yeah, you probably need to, to support uh, your progesterone levels a bit more. Um, but then the other things that you need to 
uh, take into account is your cervical fluid. So I think that's like a huge thing in itself. We are not taught that we have cervical fluid. Like I just, I feel like I remember growing up and seeing like this white discharge in my underwear and being like, do I have a yeast infection? Like what's going on down there? It's constantly changing. So, you know, it can be like creamy, egg white, just super dry. And that's very indicative of where you're at in your cycle. It's definitely like, it's a little bit more of a commitment, but I think it's like really, I don't know, it's like cool. It's your body, you know, you like get to understand like what's going on. I have a question. I wake up every single night, sometimes, I mean, generally more than once, but I have one big one every night, like between two to 4 a.m. I wake up, I generally pee, I drink some water, I like hang out. I, it's actually, I really like it. It's a fun alone time for me. <laughs> and then I fall back asleep. <laughs> Would this make my BBT inaccurate because of that? So all you need is three consecutive hours of sleep. So as long as you're getting up at like oh, okay. six, seven after your your little nightly routine, then yeah. you should be fine. Yeah, but... <laughs> nightly yeah. jaunt around the apartment. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so weird. I'm going to order the Daisy right now as we're recording. Um, what's your discount code called? Um, oh, gosh. Here, let me... <laughs> Wait, what are you ordering? The Daisy? Yeah, it's a basal body temperature thermometer. Can you explain what that is? Because is it like a regular thermometer? It's a special thermometer and you just put it under your tongue? The only difference is that there is more uh, decimal places. (laughs) So it goes out to two instead of one, which is actually very important for tracking this because it's so slight. But it's honestly, it doesn't have to be super expensive. Like, Like Daisy is on the higher end but it's like very convenient where it it's bluetooth connected to the app so it kind of syncs itself i also really like natural cycles but you do have to do the input yourself but i mean the thermometer i think and i have a discount code for that as well and that's free so it's just just a little guy um, the daisy is a little bit more of a computer yeah i'm gonna get this thermometer you just put under your tongue and you can yeah. know if like you can get knocked up or not that's yeah. ideal and wait correct me if i'm wrong It'll show you the temperature changes after you've ovulated, right? Yeah. So you actually won't be able to confirm ovulation for like up to three days after you've ovulated. But typically what you'll see is in the chart is your ovulation day will be the lowest temperature. And then you should see a continuous rise in temperature for three days afterwards. And it should be um, at least 0.03 in rise. You know what? It's good to do that with the app and then make sure that the app is coinciding with your actual body. And then once you're doing it, I think for like a few cycles, you should be relatively in sync because you can change on the app your dates and stuff like that and adjust stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there's also other like things that you'll know you ovulated, like I mentioned before, cervical fluid, like it becomes really like slippery, which makes sense intuitively, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant, create a baby, like it's going to slip right on in. Um, And also sometimes, wait, can I ask a question about cervical fluid? Because I, for a while, would, like, I was, like, I really, like, for a while, I was, like, okay, I'm going to really get on top of my, you know, feminine health and figure this out. And so I, like, put a finger in every day and be, like, I don't know. It's the same <laughs> as yesterday. <laughs> um, so 
is it like should I be monitoring what's on my panties instead because I really I tried it for a month and I was like it all kind of feels the same yes so I think the most telling will be what shows up on your underwear for sure yeah I think it's hard because it's that's probably the most like accumulated amount at a time yeah, I feel like it'd be kind of hard to do that, but it's awesome that you are just, yeah, getting, you know, <laughs> getting close and personal with yourself. That was actually a huge thing, just not to jump topics entirely, but like shifting from using like pads and tampons to like a menstrual cup. It was like scary, just kind of, I don't know, to like put my like fingers more like inside. I don't know. It was just, yeah, the whole different kind of like body disconnection. I have not taken that leap yet. <laughs> well, once you do it. Yeah. I just use things yeah. for now, but um, I, I really am like scared of the cup. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I know eventually I'll probably get there, but I also, I really like this. Yeah. I know it's, it's honestly, it's, it's so cool to like not have to worry about like anything in you. And then you can just like, I don't know. Exactly. It's like I always say like free bleeding is like the most liberating thing. Yeah. No, I was say if we're going to talk about the cup, you say that and I just imagine like a solo cup going up my vagina. Wait, you know what a period cup is, Tiffany, no? I don't really. I'm I don't know what a period cup is. No. Wait, real quick, can you uh just for anyone who doesn't know say what the four phases are and what days they are? Yeah. Yeah, so within a woman's menstrual cycle, um, which is roughly 28 days, but the normal range is 21 to 35 days, there is starting cycle day one is the menstrual phase. So that's typically, you know, seven days or so, five to seven days. Um, And then you move into the follicular phase. Um, So that is when your body is preparing to ovulate. So and throughout all of this, there is quite a fluctuation in energy levels, in nutrition needs. Um, and activities that really will be like optimizing how you are existing in your body. Um, And then you have the ovulatory phase when you're actually ovulating. And then as soon as you ovulate, you move into the luteal phase. So that's when progesterone starts increasing um, and your energy is going to start to go down. But what's interesting is your metabolic rate actually increases because your body is doing so much. So a lot of times you're a lot hungrier during those two weeks leading up to your period and you physically need more calories. So that's something I think is just not known that women are like, why can't I eat the same thing all the time and like be fine? Like, no, you need to eat more because your body's doing a lot right now. Yeah, I've noticed my appetite just skyrockets. And then the week before I get my period, like I just blow and like all the way I get so constipated and like everything's just sitting there like marinating, which I know we wanted to talk about in terms of I mean, I guess we're kind of on the topic with like PMS. I mean, Heva talk about this all the times. I feel like some months my PMS like I didn't even I was like, wow, this didn't even happen. Like, I was such an angel. And then other months, I'm like a raging fucking bitch. Like, I, I could literally strangle someone. Why is that? Like, why are some months I'm so good? And then other times, it's like a nightmare. So I think a lot of it comes down to progesterone levels. So like I said, it's like a calming hormone. And there could also be different like nutrient deficiencies at play as well. But the nutrients to like focus on during that time is like a lot of magnesium, which again is a very calming mineral. So things that you probably might even be craving are what you should be eating. So like Um, cacao-rich things like dark chocolate, avocados, cashews, and then also like complex carbs. So like, um, you know, sweet potatoes, maybe like sprouted grains, whole grains, 
um, things like that, that actually, I think, allow the body to like, reach like a a more state of calm. I mean, sometimes these things do happen. The other aspect there is prostaglandins. Um, They're like these hormone-like chemicals um, that tend to get a bit higher when your body is experiencing more stress, when there's like omega-6 to omega-3 ratio that's off, like you have way more omega-6, which is like a lot more of the processed oils. So like uh, canola, vegetable, sunflower, safflower oil. Um, So I notice this like when I eat out more, just like, I mean, obviously eating out here and there, that's fine. But like, I like actually this, it's relative this past cycle, I, I ate out a lot more and I wasn't even really that conscious of it. And then I came to my period and I was like, oh my goodness. And then also stress levels. It was a little bit more of a stressful month as well. So those definitely affect um, what you experience leading up to your period and during your period. Yeah, I love that. I always talk about it with my boyfriend. Like whenever I get my period, I'm like, oh, the blood is this color today. That means this. And he's like, of all the people I could have dated, why Why did I end up with this? Okay, honestly, though, that's like one of my favorite talks. Like just like discussing this type of stuff like with your partner I just feel like that's the coolest thing and for them to like be in the know and be supportive of all of this like it just just makes my heart so happy I agree it's such a turnoff when men are weird about it yeah it's like really yeah it's just it's not that deep like I don't know we grew up in a culture where it's uh, like it's just not talked about at all like in Iran there aren't commercials for pads and stuff on tv I remember as a little kid one of my uncles was visiting he's like oh my god they show commercials for this on television (laughs) since we're on period yeah what is the cup what (laughs) tell us about the solo cup that goes up. Yes, yes, that uh, the solo cup. You, you stick up your vaginal canal. Um, yeah, so usually, probably, I don't know how this size is going to work on video, but it's basically like a, so it's a silicone cup. Um, it's about, I would imagine if you like make a U with your fingers, it's about that size. Okay, I have really small hands, so my, my cup might be smaller than yours. And that's another aspect too. So like everyone's, vaginal canal is actually different in size and shape so there's different cups that work different for different people so um I actually I know I learned that the hard way when I first I think I first got my menstrual cup a menstrual cup like five years ago and I was like let me just gonna try this you know I was reading all the instructions and um I wasn't even on my period I was just like wanting to try it and so I put it up there and then probably like 30 minutes later, I was like, okay, let's see how to get this thing out. And um, turns out it was too short for my vaginal canal. And it was just really hard to, it was just really hard to get out. Like I was, I was just getting concerned, you know, but now that I know, I feel like I, I do all these things without uh, looking into them first and then I can teach people not to. Wait, how did you get it out? How do you okay. know how big your canal is? <laughs> and how did you end up getting it out? I once got a clove of garlic stuck in my vagina. I've talked about it on this podcast, so I'm just fascinated by this oh topic. It's very like triggering for me, but how did you end up getting it out? I can only imagine. I appreciate that uh, holistic approach to healing whatever was going on. Yeah, it was a yeast infection. It did yeah. work, I will say that, but it came at a yeah. huge I'm, cost. I've once done oregano essential oil there, and that was like the most painful thing of my life. <laughs> that oh was years ago, God. but anyways, again, so 
basically I was so how how you get it out and how you're you know you're told to get it out is you just like you push like you're pooping or something so you're you're squatting down you're like doing all that but like because I mean I don't know I was just like really dry in there it was like just yeah it was just too short and I basically just had to stick my fingers like really high up and it was really uncomfortable but it was scary because I was so not used to it um I didn't really know what to do I was living by myself you know so um but then yeah, I found out that you really need to measure with your fingers before you even get your menstrual cup. So you really feel in there and they give you different uh, like measurement options. Usually you just like stick your finger in and it's like, if it's like to your knuckle, it should be this size. If it's like to this middle part, it should be another size. If it's to the top of your finger, you probably have a longer one to need like a longer cup. Um, but yeah, so now I have a longer cup and it works wonderfully. I've had it for like four years now and it, it is a learning curve, you know, but it's, it's just really easy and it holds so much more blood than a tampon would. Um, yeah, the only thing there is like, public restrooms or something like it's definitely ideal I mean it holds like for up like 12 hours so you can really just be at home for for taking it out and just you know dumping it Tiffany it's a cup that you put in and it catches the blood right I caught that I was just thinking, well, I was just thinking I have such short fingers that I feel like for the measuring aspect, I might need assistance. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Tiffany has like abnormally small hands. Like like, we're worried about her. I don't know how she does things like around the house. (laughs) So I was just, I was like in my head, I was like, I got to like, do I have to get like special measuring tape? Do you get the cup like at a drugstore? Yeah, you you have to get it. I I see them at the drugstore now in the tampon aisle. Yeah, they've become really popular. Um, I think the first store I saw it at was Target. That was years ago. So I'm sure they've gotten even more popular. You can also get like a online or. Well, there you go. He puts two girls in one cup now. (laughs) Should that be the episode title? (laughs) Three girls, one cup. I'm so sorry, I Colleen. Fucking I'm sorry I, I, Colleen. I think you should. I really like thinks though. I remember as a kid, my mom was like, no, like you shouldn't use tampons because the blood is supposed to come out. I mean, eventually I did. And now I never do. I just did when I was in Mexico because I was like getting in the ocean and stuff. But I brought organic tampons with me. But I do just like the feeling of it. Do you wear them and then you have like multiple pairs and then you just wash them and it's like, that's what I do. Yeah. I just like squeeze out the, the gusset portion, like in the sink with cold water, just to make it like less saturated with blood. And then I just kind of like hang it like in the bathroom for a little bit, like maybe not the most inviting thing when people are over, but then it's dried a little bit and there's less blood in it and then I'll put it in laundry or just, you know, put it right in the washer. Yeah, the instructions say that you're supposed to. I I didn't know for the longest time. I've always just washed it with everything. It's never stained anything. So you don't take out your clothes and there's just blood everywhere. <laughs> like everything's pink. <laughs> I would like to talk about intimacy a little bit, and specifically, you had posted something in your stories about the orgasm gap, which I'd never heard that term before. And then I was reading it. And I also, there was this really funny thing. We'll repost it on the blush account. That was, um, I think you shared this, some guy, it was, it was like TikTok comments about what, what sex feels like to women. 
like a, a guy had asked what sex feels like to women and all the comments were like you know when you need to sneeze but you can't and like 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 really funny things like that so yeah can we talk a little bit about the orgasm gap because it's very real and I don't think it's talked about enough I mean, I feel like it stems from our poor sex education and therefore the default being porn, which is a very like um, male focused like pleasure scenario. So, I mean, a lot of what people learn in in porn is, is how they have sex. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, men ejaculating and know women just making sounds and for sure not orgasming themselves but um so yeah I mean I feel like female pleasure is just completely left off like I mean I think also like women a lot of times being so disconnected from their bodies don't even feel comfortable uh pleasuring themselves to even understand or yeah know what feels good for them to then even yeah know what a partner would do to to uh, allow them to orgasm what how do you oh Tiffany you go I think I was going to ask exactly what you're going to ask, Kiva. So go ahead. <laughs> How would you recommend, like, what in your mind is the remedy to this problem? Is that what you're going to ask or something else? No, that's not oh, what I okay. was going to ask. But you <laughs> okay. Can, you, well, I was, okay. well, mine's maybe like a little bit before okay. that. I think with women not knowing, maybe it's that they just don't, and I think this is coming from personal, not knowing exactly what an orgasm yes. is. I will say, right? I think that's the root of it. I've always known just because I like found out by accident. But so to me, it's like kind of like sneezing. Like, I don't know. Like, if you are not sure, you definitely didn't because you would definitely know if you sneezed. Like, there is like no universe in which like you're unclear as to whether you sneezed or not. But in talking to a lot of my friends, sometimes they talk about things and I'm like, in my head, I'm always like, I'm not sure that she knows what an orgasm is. Like, I just am not sure. Cause I've heard friends say like some pretty wild things and I'm like, yeah, I don't think you actually orgasm, but I don't know. Like who am I to judge? But I do want, like, I do think a lot of people might not actually know. Yeah. I'm with you entirely. I mean, that's kind of like what has motivated me and, you know, impassioned me so much about this because when I was first sexually active, um, I would hear about all my friends, you know, talking about their sexual experiences and then being like, oh, yeah. And then, like, we both, like, came. We both orgasmed. And I was like, oh, like, I just – I don't I don't think I'm having that. But maybe, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I mean um, – but, yeah, it turns out – I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I just – everyone's body is different too and, like, exactly, like, their erogenous zones. And, like, um, I think it can also be very much, like, in the mind too and then, like, we also carry a lot of like trauma and like, like, yeah, in ourselves down there, especially as women. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, just really getting in touch with yourself. Like, I think that like, I don't even like to use the term masturbating. It feels so like hard. I just like self-pleasuring just like, and that doesn't have to be like just touching your, uh, your vulva, or your clip. That could be just like feeling your body and like there's so many erogenous zones on the body. Um, but yeah, orgasm, I mean, yeah, what Kiva said, I mean, it's like, you're, you're almost, yeah, you're, you're experiencing contractions a lot of times, like in your, in your, um, vagina. So that's like, I think that, yes, the main, yeah, that's the key. I think that's the key. And that's when I realized that mm -hmm. for a while I hadn't until yeah. that specific thing happened. And I was like, 
oh, this is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's different there's different types of orgasms too that like feel slightly different. So it's like the clitoral orgasm. You can have like more of a G spot orgasm or like the cervical orgasm, which is like the deepest and I feel like typically the most full body, but also um, probably the most difficult to obtain. And again, everyone's bodies are different. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, just in my own personal experience, I've learned so much and like just healing through a lot of things and becoming more in touch with my body. I've just like become more sensitive because a lot of things, a lot of times women become numb too. And that's the reason why they don't orgasm. They just like completely are disconnected and they just don't feel that much. Um, so yeah, I think you just need like a pleasure practice just for women in general and, um, just it needs to be destigmatized. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like also men need to be more aware of it too. Cause I don't think men know and they think you are. And especially if you're with a partner, like I think it's great if you're aware of it, but also the, whoever you're being intimate with should know. I mean, most women, like it's like, 80% plus of women need clitoral stimulation, not just um, penetration to achieve orgasm. And I think that's just not understood. I think it ties a lot more into your emotions and your mindset, at least what I've noticed, than, you know, yeah. we realize too. Yeah. Like, for sure. I, I just think I have to, it has to be the right person. I have to be in the right mindset. I have to feel right emotionally. Um, I don't know if men are as much like that to the degree that women are. Um, but I do think that makes a huge impact on it. Yeah. I mean, it's been shown that, yeah, men are a lot more like visual and it's also, uh, they have the type of, um, ability to get turned on. That's like immediate. I'm forgetting the term. Um, but women, it's a lot more psychological, um, and a lot more happens in the brain. So it's almost like I, someone said this at one point and I just love it. It's like foreplay starts the moment sex ends for women. So it's like, so it's like 100%. everything that's happening is building up to the next time you have sex, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, and yes. there's different things as well, like yes. the concept of like brakes and accelerators. Um, some people are different. And so the brakes would be like things that would break your ability to get turned on. So maybe that's the house is dirty, like your partner or whoever like said something that's still in your mind. Um, and some people are more sensitive to that or not. They can just kind of like completely disconnect and like be in the moment um then accelerators are like the things that like uh accentuate the turn on so again some people might be more sensitive to certain touching or certain words and some people might not it might not help as much but i talked to my girlfriends a lot and i talked to one of them recently and she just had a <clears throat> she was hooking up with someone and i was like oh did you know how was it and she was like i was just in my head a lot and because i was like oh did you have an orgasm and i feel like whenever i talk to my girlfriends like that's just such a common theme and i've dealt with that too i mean for a period of time i'd have to like drink in order to like not be in my head so much and it's not even like a self-conscious thing you're just like in your head you're almost like fixated on what's happening in a weird way that i think stops you um, is there anything that you would say to that? I don't know. The same sort of thing with like when you're meditating, right? It's like, I don't know, you're, you, you find your mind, like you find your mind wandering. You're like, okay, like, that's fine. I'm not judging myself for doing that, but like, we're just bringing it back to center. We're bringing it back to center, you know, bring it back to your breath. And like, I feel like sometimes, cause I feel like we're all guilty of this. I'll just close my eyes and really just try to focus in on like the sensory 
the sensory play that's going on. Like, what am I feeling? Like, you know, basically what am I feeling? <laughs> and then it's like honing in on that. And, um, you know, if it's with a partner, you know, like a partner that you love, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like just like feeling that like really strong bond, like the love for them, I think can accentuate things. Or um, if it's with, you know, someone that you don't know as well, just, yeah, maybe the sensory and like the, yeah, the pure turn on. I mean, I think it is so mental because, yeah, if you're just like out in space or if you're thinking, I think a lot of times for women, especially men too, but like you're thinking about your body and like you can't get into this um, place where you're at ease and can achieve orgasm. Not that it's like you must achieve orgasm with every experience, but uh, to really just like let loose because we're so focused on like, what does my body look like? Do they, do they think I look sexy in this position? Like blah, blah, blah. But I feel like in the moment, just, it's so counterintuitive. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so counterproductive is what I meant to, to anything that you're, you're going through at that moment. And like your partner doesn't care at all. Okay. I want to end on this. Um, you have the cutest relationship Um, I honestly, I find a lot of people on Instagram and relationships to be a little annoying, to be perfectly honest, but, but I think you do it so well. Like I've always said that I would never post my boyfriend on Instagram and seeing your page kind of makes me be like, okay, I guess I could without it being the worst, um, cause you do it so well. I just want to ask one question just cause I think it's fun for single people. How did you guys meet? Yeah, I and I agree with you fully. I mean, I was single for so long and I was always like, oh my gosh, like so annoying. They're so obsessed with each other. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind. I mean, I was dating a lot, like dating, dating apps and whatnot um, for, gosh, I don't know. It was like probably four years, but like nothing, I don't know. I'd have like flings here and there, but nothing really amounted to much. Um, but I was also like, I was changing a lot. I was kind of like evolving and you know, really working on things that I was passionate about. But um, Tom and I met actually on Hinge, so a dating app. Um, but funny story, he, I'm the first person that he has ever met on a dating, like he had never used the dating apps before. Uh, he's, I don't know, you know, I feel like all of us in some sense are against them. We want to like meet someone organically. Um, but yeah, so it was, you know, prime COVID. It was uh It was August of last year, 2020, August 1st, and we went on a hike, and I guess I talked a lot, which I usually, I feel like I'm usually the quieter, like, I feel like I like to listen a lot, but I guess I was nervous, I didn't even realize I was talking that much, but um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, it's, I hate to be corny like this, but truly, just from, like, knowing him for even, like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I was, like, like this guy is literally an angel. Like I feel like being like, I don't know, kind of like, you know, being a, like spiritually inclined. I was like, is this like the universe sending me an angel after all of these, like these duds? <laughs> I was like, maybe if anything, it's just like them like showing me like what, what it can feel like, you know, like just being in, yeah, with a, a partner that, is the way he is and just just so kind and considerate and um yeah he's just yeah he's really like I don't know changed my world it's been pretty crazy yeah and I hope anyone listening who is still resistant to the apps maybe this makes you change your mind 
yeah, you just have to go on one date. That's all he did. And look at how that ended up. <laughs> I know. Because the thing is, it's like, they're so popular now. Like, if you're on it, like, someone that's like you is going to be on it. Someone that you connect with is going to be on it, you know? Love the apps. Big proponent. And, you know, I think a lot of times we have resistance because people want, like, a cute story for how you met. But you can still have a cute story even on the apps. Thank you so much for coming on, Colleen. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like at some point we need like a part two so you can talk about all this stuff too. I I know. Of course. Thank you for having me. You guys are so fun. I could talk to you forever. (laughs) We'll give an update to the the underwear and the cups and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to start free bleeding everywhere. Yes, please do. Please do. Um, um, yeah, all the discounts, I, I know you asked before, They that um, Daisy discount, it's a link instead of a discount okay. code. So it's just in the link in my bio, in my Instagram. Yeah, I found it, ordered already, went through your link, not we'll, to worry. <laughs> we'll put all your info. And so that way, if anyone wants to use the discount codes for everything, check that out. Thank all you right. so much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.